Welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. Uh, the Human and Machine podcast is, of course, uh, targeted at our South African audience. We're based here in Johannesburg in South Africa. My name is Yaku. Um, I'm with my co-host, Lenny. And we are talking about, in every episode, we are talking about anything and everything, industrial automation, industrial technology, manufacturing, um, and the world of system integration, and all of the new advances and all of the new uh, observations around what is happening in this industry that we love. If you missed last week's episode, um, sure, Lenny, it was a cracker. Yeah, it was a very, very, very valuable topic. Uh, very insightful from, from Arlen, um, the inventor, co-inventor of the MQTT protocol. Uh, just the story and the way that the guy tells the, the, the journey of how MQTT came into the market, the, the reasoning about it, um, the applications that it can, can, can help especially in the IoT kind of space, it was a very valuable topic. And, and again, uh, very humble for Arlen to join us actually on that session. Absolutely. And what, a, what an absolute legend of the industry. 42 years, MQTT, Genesis in the early 80s. Hard to believe. Hey? Hard to believe it's been around for that long. So that was a really, really insightful uh, episode with Arlen Nipper, the co-inventor of MQTT. Um, and probably a nice segue into this episode, um, our guest this week, uh, that we're very much looking forward to chatting today, and more of a local flavor around this, this world of, of uh, IIoT, is Louis van Weyck. So Louis um, joins us from Business Connection. Louis is the Managing Executive for IoT and OT Solutions. And again, it's a nice little segue from, from last week's discussion around MQTT and what that looks like in South Africa. Definitely. And I think going a little bit away from the pure technology that we had with Arlen, a little bit more into practical implementations and what we've seen in the, in the African market. I know a few years ago, Africa was, was point to be one of the, the biggest places where IoT would be relevant. And um, yeah. kind of to understand from, from his experience, um, why haven't we seen this massive uptake in, in, in the buzzword? of IoT in, in the country. Absolutely. So Louis, Louis is going to share a wealth of his experience in the South Africa market. And Louis, that was your introduction. It was a long one, but that was your introduction. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Jakub, Lenny. Uh, thanks for having me on uh, Human Machine. Uh, very excited uh, to speak to you guys today. I think we've got a, a interesting topic, something which is very current in, in the industry. And... Uh, Possibly top of mind for a lot of people out there. So yes, I'm I'm very happy to be with you here today. Cool, fantastic, Louis. We've we've known each other for a for, for quite a few years. We were actually chatting a few weeks ago. Um, we were chatting with Francois. And I think the last time that I saw Francois was was in Sun City, and I think the last time that I saw Louis was also in Sun City. <laughs> and uh, we made the joke a few weeks ago that well, unfortunately we're not in Sun City now. The world is the world is very 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 different today, um, and probably given the space that we're in and the limitations that we're operating in uh, with at the moment, probably for IOT um, and more importantly, IIOT, um, some really good opportunities. But Louis, maybe before we get into that, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself, you're definitely not a junior in the industry. You've, you've been around for, a, for quite a while. Where, where did your journey start? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh... I'd say I've been quite a traveler, you know, with regards to the industry. I've not always been, you know, in the field of engineering, automation uh, and industry, but I've very much started off there. Um, by training, I'm an engineer, a uh, chemical engineer. So 
Uh, please excuse me if I'm at points become a bit analytical. I think that comes with the territory and that sort of background. Um, we like to to analyze everything we see. So that was my my career start. And uh, initially, I spent about ten years uh, in the industry, predominantly in steel uh, steel making and in uh, mining, uh, various different plants and uh, facilities. And then I took a complete left turn in my career and I went into management consulting, uh, which had much more a business flavor to it. Yeah. And uh, I spent quite a lot of years in that before I moved into the IT telecoms environment with uh, BCX and the telecom group where I'm now. Uh, in that environment, I've also been involved in a number of businesses, which is... Uh, uh, more related to the pure IT and not so much the industry things such as uh, software development and some uh, IT consulting and so on. And then the opportunity came up to for me to actually head up the uh, IoT and OT solutions business uh, within the BCX group where I am now, which sort of took me back after a detour of about uh, 10 years almost as well. Uh, back into the back into the industry and the uh, IoT and operations technology space where I'm now. I'm keen. Uh, I'm keen to know if after ten years, have you found that a lot has changed or not when you returned? <laughs> Probably not. As as much as many things change, it stays the same. Surprisingly, yes, that is probably the answer. I think a lot of things change on face value. Yes. But uh, deep down underneath, you know, you realize that um, it's to some extent to stayed the same. And you still felt, I still felt very comfortable, you know, getting back into the industry, possibly because of this, that it hasn't changed so fundamentally. At least the thinking um, and the drivers in the industry, I think, remain constant. And that really um, set the scene. Absolutely. I, I think the, the drivers and the, the fact that you mentioned the business, the business aspect, I mean, it's something that we, we've been hearing as a recurring theme on the episodes is about the business case and the business need. Mm. And I think probably around IoT or specifically IIoT, and maybe that's a good, good departure point is for, for some of the listeners that are wondering exactly what the difference is between IoT and IoT. Um, we'd like to, uh, again, we'll start there, but maybe then also just understand IIoT what are some of the drivers that we're seeing uh, and some of the practical use case applications? I mean, there's a lot said about uh, condition monitoring, predictive maintenance. I mean, there's so many different areas. But maybe let, let's kick off with um, IoT versus IIoT for, 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 the lame in, for the lame person out there. Yeah, so I think that's a bit of a trick question you're posing to me because personally, um, I do not see a very big difference between the two. Obviously, the naming convention uh, is coining a term to, to focus IoT specifically on the industrial side of things, you know, calling it IIoT. Mm -hmm. um, but on a practical level, um, the one difference I think that uh, uh, we may experience out there in the industry is possibly the underlying technology and the environment um, that you're dealing with. If you're dealing with uh, uh, industrial IoT, you're typically looking at manufacturing operations, mining operations, and uh, as you know, these plants and uh, mines typically have 
mature uh, control systems, yep. monitoring operations, which means IoT in the industrial sense often involves integrating into those systems, whereas I think IoT in the general sense of the word would be more uh, separate uh, technology installed into an environment and with less integration and less uh, um, having to deal with uh, the industrial stuff such as the control systems, the PLCs and so on. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's, there's pretty much overlap in everything. So if you look at something like, for example, building management, yeah. it doesn't look that diff different because you're still integrating into uh, PLCs, controlling some parts of the buildings, doors, uh, the HVAC, etc. Yeah. Um, so from that point of view, it's not that different. So personally, I would say, um, yeah, for me, uh, they, the, the two topics are very, very closely related. And I think it's really just a way of distinguishing um, what sort of uh, industry or vertical we're dealing with if you're talking about industrial IoT versus uh, general IoT. Yeah. And uh, something we mentioned a few weeks ago, Lenny, is that often in the industrial world, a lot of the equipment, assets, uh, things that you want to connect and, and, and put into the, into the IoT space, very often those things were made not to be connected and not to be put into this world and, and built and engineered and, and placed down to last a lifetime. Um, and, and I suppose that's where the, the conversation of, when we're talking about digital, which this is, how digital is it out there, Louis, and, and how analog is it still? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the reality of, of the industrial world, and maybe that's something that you, you come across every day. Uh, yes, Yaki. So from my point of view, you know, I think um, we, we find that there is, you know, um, we, we, we do not really have such a big problem you know with the difference between analog and digital but that's mainly because of the nature of the the business that we're running which is a combination of uh, working in the operations technology space as well as the IOT space so in terms of skills you know I've got a lot of people working for me that's very capable you know in both environments but um, down to your question uh, Yes, in the industrial space, there is still a lot of technology deployed out there, which is analog, mm. uh, older technology. But this technology has always been implemented to be able to communicate, you know, uh, with uh, control systems, etc. That is, uh, you know, on the on the plant level. Yeah. Um, the big difference being uh, that this, these technologies were never designed, you know, to be internet connected. Yes. Um, and, and that is for me perhaps the, the big distinguishing factor and what has changed in terms of IoT. Uh, a lot of the work we do in the iIoT space has to do with uh, putting in devices, software, middleware, etc., to solve that communication problem from plant to central server to cloud. Yes. Um, and sometimes you need to actually have physical devices uh, in addition to what is already uh, available that you need to integrate with to achieve that. So 
I would say that's for me the dominant difference between the two, but you're very, very correct in saying that there's still a lot of technology out there in the field, specifically in the manufacturing environment, yes. which is not in principle designed you know, for the IoT world, but it definitely has the capability if, uh, if correctly integrated. Yes. And Louis, maybe taking on that topic, I mean, we're talking about industrial IoT where, you know, we're lucky in that sense that a lot of our machines, a lot of our pieces of equipment are controlled. So there is a sense of a digital face where we can actually interface to and make that then available to be pushed into a cloud kind of scenario. When we now talk about just normal IoT where, you know, there is not a sensor, there's, there's nothing there. Um, you need to, I mean, we see these promotional videos where a guy takes an ID <laughs> plug puts it onto his pot plant, and now it's sending the ubiquity. It's connected. It's, it's live. It's connected and it's live. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's really the case um, as, as those promotional videos make it so easy and, and, and seamlessly to do. Um, I, I don't know. And I, and I don't see that we've seen that really massive uptake of all of these massive sensors and device connectivity at this point in time. Well, yeah, Louis, have you, have you seen a massive uptake? I, I think, you know, we've, we've seen varying reports, yeah. Yeah, so I think we, we're in a field here of a bit of mixed emotion um, because uh, personally, the uptake I've seen, you know, in terms of the hype in the market is huge. Yes. Physically, in terms of what you really see out there in terms of solutions, um, it's much more limited, uh, but there are certain solutions which has, has uh, become sectors in the market by themselves, which on its own would be big, but there's big barriers for entry of getting into that. And typically those type of solutions has been around before traditionally and has been sort of rebranded into IoT. Um, um, so it's maybe not as pure as people would think, you know, but if you count those numbers, uh, it adds up to some of the big numbers you see in IoT, but that is not a reality in terms of the new business that's available out there. But to get back to uh, Lenny, your original point, um, so how easy is it to just get the world out there connected? I think that is really the key behind all of this. So we all understand the industrial space fairly well. We know there's a lot of equipment, sensors, et cetera, out there in most of the manufacturing facilities. And the real question is, uh, how do I integrate and connect? Yeah. Um, yeah. Our move today is more into other environments where we implement uh, pure IoT, such as a retail environment. Okay. And the integration requirements in those environments becomes entirely different. Um, let's think about uh, some practical examples. Uh, let's look at the retail store. You know, what would be the type of things that's of importance you know, in, in that sort of industry? Um, one simple example would be, for instance, their cold chain you know, and their fridges inside their stores where they've got perishable goods. Um, many of these uh, physical equipment that they've got in the stores uh, doesn't have inherent capability, which means you need to install sensors you know, in there. Yeah. And yeah. even though it looks similar to the industrial environments, in other words, that it's brownfields and you were dealing with, uh, with the existing install base, yes. the solution to the problems are typically very different. Yeah. So you would have to install the entire chain from sensor 
to uh, gateway to platform um, with everything in between, you know, with the comms on a local level, comms to cloud, etc. And the drivers in the in those industries are also different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cost, for example, being one, that's uh, that's that's a big, big, big problem, you know, yeah. for to get massive uptake in IoT. If you look at the industrial environment, I think um, the decision makers in that space are more comfortable because the equipment that used to be installed there are industrial grade, reliable, um, robust, you know, and typically uh, those things comes at a higher price point. So yeah. there's a bit of a, a easier acceptance, you know, on that level for the price point. If you look at retail, they literally calculate um, the cost of what they spend on all technology, everything in store gets discounted into the the price of the products that they sell. Yes. You know, and literally yes. down to the percentage it makes up of the price of the product it's sold. So there's a there's a very strong um, driver in terms of cost, which yeah. which pushes IoT in the direction where it needs to look at uh, cheaper and simpler ways for solving those problems. But you're still sitting with the same type of same type of basic issues. It costs money for the labor to actually install it. And if you look at something like retail, the big attractiveness there would be economy of scale. Yes. It is the number of installations that you do that actually makes it attractive. But the more installations you need to do, the more workforce you have to have to actually cover that. So it creates all sorts of new business challenges which we we didn't really have when we were dealing purely in the operation uh, in the operations or industrial space, um, where you typically had um, engineers uh, dedicated to a certain plant or plant areas or particular clients, and they could cope you know, with that installation and integration needs yeah. that you have. And now you may have to roll, roll out the installation for let's say a big retail chain. Let's uh, uh, for no specific reason, let's just choose something like ShopRite Checkers. If you think about them, they've got thousands of stores yeah. uh, spread out all over the country. Um, and that's a completely different challenge, you know, in terms of the physical field force that's required to get in store. Um, you need to have small repetitive solutions, easy to install, uh, easy to configure, yeah. easy to manage remotely. Um, communications becomes a big issue because you need to think about how would um, the communication work in different localities. Yeah. Um, you don't have just one place and let's say I've got fiber connected here, problem solved. I just make everything communicate over, over that one. You, you, you actually need to solve the problem more generally so that it would fit um, all those different uh, uh, places or point of installations that you need to deal with. So, yeah, I think the complexity there um, in terms of trying to find a general solution to a specific problem um, makes it difficult. Whereas if you look at the industrial environment, um, it's down to hard tech, you know, thinking about things like um, your typical communication protocols, you know, things like Mockbus, Profinet, yeah. Backnet, uh, etc., 
but we know that world, you know, it's always been the world we worked in. So I think we've got a bit of a comfort zone there. Maybe we've got a bit of a blind spot, you know, when we get to things like retail banking and yeah, so on. Yeah, for sure. And Louis, um, I think you made a, a valid point there that if we look at, you know, the typical kind of IoT solutions that we need to provide, you need to provide a sensor. You need to provide the local network to connect to that sensor. You need now to make that available to be, you know, pushed to whatever network to be actually now stored in, in a cloud solution where you're going to do whatever business need you need to do on that topic. But I almost feel sometimes that, that the, the perception out there is that this sensor, this little local network that you now need to enable on this, on this site, um, I think the perception is that it's, it's supposed to be cheap. I mean, the sensor should be a few hundred rands um, because of the scale of, of, of what you need to install. Yeah. Is, is that the case? Is, is sensors really that cheap to actually get going? Or if you, if you do that quote for the guy, yeah. it looks a good price and like, <laughs> yeah. well, what are you trying to sell me here? But I, I just have this feeling that we're not there yet with sensors being to that point. Where well, and more importantly, how does that scale? How does it scale? Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and maybe to add to, to that, Lenny, and, and a question for you, Louis, I, I love the example of the cold chain that you mentioned. So, so on the topic of high upfront costs, Lenny mentioned the, the cost of the devices. Um, I know there was a survey by Frost and Sullivan that talks about 60% of manufacturers worried about the cost associated with developing IIoT and getting things connected. So to your example about the cold chain and these devices, the fridge, the industrial fridge, that doesn't ship with anything connected yet, at least not as far as I'm aware of, maybe that's fairly close. Your, you mentioned the business case in potentially now retrofitting something to that unit that can make it connected. Um, does that scale? Do you find that it scales and are we there yet? Yeah, so let me try and answer that by starting off uh, with uh, Lenny's initial question and then Yaku work, working towards your question of scale. Um, I think it all starts at the point where you need to ask yourself, what is a sensor? Because I think that is where the big um, uh, paradox actually comes into the equation. Uh, if you look at it purely technical from my, with my engineering mind, you know, the sensor is the device that actually takes the measurement. Yes. And if that's the answer you're using, um, then the sensors are actually quite cheap. You know, to, to the point that uh, Lenny was asking. The reality, however, is that in IoT, the sensor is not just the device that takes the measurement. It is the ability for that device to actually communicate with something else. And that changed the equation entirely. Um, so now let's look at your example. You were talking about uh, the fridge. Let's, let's just go back to the fridge example, Yaku, which you've mentioned now. So it's not difficult to put a temperature sensor into a fridge and that sensor doesn't need to cost more than a couple of hundred rands. But typically those sensors are analog and they're designed to be wired, yeah. you know, to, to communicate with. But if you look at the retail store, there's nothing to wire it to. Yes. Um, so you need to find a way of this communicating with a central point, which means this sensor needs to have a way of commun communicating typically wirelessly right within the environment where it is installed so that changed the sensor now to a sensor plus a communication module if you would call it you know that comes with it 
And that's where the dilemma starts because there's little equipment in the market available. Firstly, that looks like that. Yeah. The price point suddenly moves up. Uh, and thirdly, the moment you bring communication into the equation, the question is, what protocol is used? How does that work? You know, how do you get it to integrate to the other end of the solution that you're trying to implement, yeah. which raises the question of standardization to try and get the cost down. Yes. And because of this very reason, um, my own business, in my own business now, we're actually looking at uh, designing and manufacturing our own. Oh, because wow. in the end, that seems to become the only really feasible solution. And that is why you see out there in the market, a lot of these uh, point solutions, which is based around a particular sensor set communicating to a specific platform. Yes. Um, the solution gets designed that way. And once you get scale on the solution, then you can bring the price point down, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but if you treat it the way we were used to, right, in the industrial space where we basically go in there, we find the problem and we solve the problem, and you try and do the same thing in the more um, scale environments, such as retail, banking, etc. Uh, you're up for hiding to nothing because you have so many endpoints that you're trying to install. And if you try and solve each one of them individually, yes, um, it becomes a very costly exercise and it consumes way too much time. You, know, you need to find solutions which is simple quick to install so that you can use a much less skilled workforce to do yeah. the physical installations. And it needs to fairly have a fairly standard way of communicating. So you need to make choices, and I think we might get to that a little bit later in our discussion, but you need to make choices with regards to um, what communication uh, types and protocols do I want to use yeah. Um, and how do I limit that? You know, because there's so many things out there. You know, we're talking Zigbee, uh, Sigfox, you know, LoRa. You could yeah. use Wi-Fi. You could use Bluetooth. You know, there's, there's just a, a le legion of different options, you know, that's out there. Seemingly too, Seemingly too many cool. options. I think it's confusing a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and... Uh, you know, if you if you if you do not standardize and get your solution down to one or two of those to cover um, the use case that you need to deal with, uh, I do not think you will actually get to solve these problems in a way that it will become economically feasible. Quick question, um, and something that I just thought about is we nearly every episode, Lenny, it's come up <laughs> is IT versus OT, and I think. Probably this the this world and this dynamic has um, seemingly for the for the companies that are potentially still lagging and these departments are not working together the OT and the IT departments is is IT typically owns owns this. However, in the OT world, you know you have the benefit of coming from that that uh, both backgrounds having a good experience in both backgrounds. OT typically owns the manufacturing devices and equipment and networks that IT would typically own. Uh, and there's always been a ways talk about a tongue in cheek. We talk a little bit of a, a grappling between these two departments. Um, IT top of mind is obviously connectivity. Security is a big one for them. Um, on the topic of security and IT and OT, is, is security perceived as a barrier 
Um, are there still a lot of concerns around security from IT departments? Uh, for example, OT teams now want to deploy a whole bunch of connected things. Um, what does that dynamic look like and how does security come into play and is it still a concern? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a significant barrier, um, at least a mental barrier, um, because both environments, both OT and IT, uh, obviously focus on security, even though their definition of what exactly security might be uh, wouldn't be exactly the same. But it's, it's certainly a question asked on both sides, whether you are uh, with, with IoT or IoT creating potentially more points of threat in your in environment, more points of uh, entry or breach. Correct. Um, and uh, on face value, the answer to that would have to be yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, security would definitely um, be something that needs to be solved and create some level of comfort with the customer that, that it's dealt with. But there's more than one way of dealing with that. You know, because uh, if we if we look at security in a physical way, let's let's just compare IT security with physical security. You know, your typical uh, ADT or somebody that secures your house, right? Yeah. Um, what is it that's really important in terms of security? And in my mind, it is that you need to know that what you're trying to secure actually has value and actually creates. Uh, threat to yourself. So if you look at the physical security, you would like to be sure that um, your family is safe and um, your assets is safe. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we need to think the same way um, when we think about the IT and OT security. So let's go back to the example we mentioned earlier, the fridges. It's getting a bit... Uh, Stale now, but let's go back there. <laughs> it feels like we a new, a, new, uh, a new example. But it's a practical yeah, one, and I like it. I think we, we can relate easily to that. Yeah, we should actually just uh, uh, think of a new one. You know? But if we look at that one, again, it fits the ball. You know, because here's the real question. In that measurement, let's, let's assume that was the only thing that you're doing in that particular IoT solution. You were only measuring the temperatures of the fridges. It's a bit simple. Um, it's often much more complicated than that. But uh, who would be interested in actually knowing the temperature in your fridges apart from that particular retailer? Who's actually got value out of that? And what would happen if you do not see it anymore? Now, if we compare that to the OT environment where you were integrating into the physical PLC um, and the SCADA systems, perhaps, that's controlling the plant, there is a vast difference between the two scenarios. Because in the scenario where you're actually on an IoT level integrating into those systems, the risk or threat is substantially greater. Yeah. In the environment, as I mentioned now, where you're just men, uh, measuring the temperature of the fridge, it doesn't really matter if anybody steals it. So should security at all be a barrier or a worry? Yeah. Um, and I think these are the type of questions you need to ask yourself and also use um, in your business case as when you put this all together. And by physically designing your systems in, in ways to protect where protection is necessary, 
um, you don't need to necessarily worry so generally um, on every possible aspect of IoT about the security. And uh, I, I believe in uh, one of your previous podcasts, uh, you had discussions about some of the the uh, protocols that used, um, which included things like uh, MQTT. Yeah. Um, these protocols already have uh, a fairly significant level of security built in if implemented correctly. Hmm. So for a very vast number of cases, case studies, if you actually go and look at physical case studies, you would find that security is actually not a big problem. But it is the perception of security which is causing perhaps the barrier, in my opinion. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I like that. And I think it does speak to um, a lot of what, we, what, what we've been hearing and, and some of the conversation we've been having. Um, and it has definitely been identified as one of the big barriers. And I think I like that response. And I also like the analogy of, of comparing it to your own physical perimeter type security that you would have at home and understanding what you need to protect. I want to quickly ask you about, um, you mentioned platforms. So we know that in the OT world, uh, with these existing legacy systems that are, you know, that typically these organizations have had for several decades. Um, they large behemoth systems that are often proprietary in nature and difficult to change and not welcoming of integration. And they're also very limited usually in the sense of, of you know, uh, in our world we call it tags. Oh, you have, you know, 10 tags. You, you can use your 10 tags, but anything more than that, you're going to require a system change and potentially a license change. Um, you know, you can views, for example, you can have 10 views, but if it's more than that, you potentially going to have to have a system change and a, and a license change. Um, and a lot of those platforms, if I can call it that, or legacy systems, which we now and create, try to create panel beat into a platform are very limited in those ways. And you mentioned the, the barrier of platform. What does that mean? And can you, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so yet again, you get platforms and platforms. You know, and uh, if we look at the industrial environment, you know, we're all very familiar with uh, plant historians, which uh, essentially is uh, a database, time series databases with, uh, with visualization software and some analysis software running over the top of that. I know I'm, I'm very much oversimplifying it, but that is essentially what it does. Yeah. And if you really look at what an IoT platform does, it's uh, pretty much the same thing. However, most of the historians that we are used to um, was orig originally definitely designed to run on-premise, um, you know, locally at the plant where it's actually installed and so on. And the... Uh, the models for pricing those, if we, if we can call those platforms now as well, also evolved out of that environment, which caused them to be things like you've mentioned before, a number of tags, a number of views, and so on. Whereas in the IoT environment, where you're looking for scale um, and quickly upping that numbers, those type of measurements becomes problematic because uh, it would mean that your cost of the platform would dramatically increase as you're actually scaling it, which is exactly the opposite of what you want to do. Exactly. Uh, because the idea in IoT is to actually scale it in terms of number of endpoints 
and keep your cost relatively constant and by that actually create a margin uh, a growing margin gap yeah so that you 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 through scale keep increasing margin um so that's seemingly conflicting um but it's because we're actually comparing the old with the more new today um i do believe there's some uh, uh historians and scatter systems out there in the market today which has much more attractive billing systems or pricing mechanisms um, that fits the IoT world better. And this is purely a function of your previous point, Jaku, about OT and IT and how OT and IT is actually converging. Right? And um, which then creates more of an understanding, you know, in the OT space of what's required. And therefore, a lot of the vendors, the traditional the traditional OEM suppliers in the OT space are working very hard on um, changing their products to be more, so we call it cloud friendly. Yeah. And their models um, potentially, they, they have to change the entire model as well. Absolutely. So with doing that, they obviously need to adapt the models um, and costing models that they use to go with these platforms to, to actually deal with that. And they're also entering an environment where they are now competing with traditional IT products, which perhaps is not as strong in terms of handling huge amounts of time, uh, time series data on very small intervals. But those platforms will have strengths in other areas. Uh, for example, um, uh, you, if you look at things like uh, uh, the platforms provided by Azure and so on, the billing systems that runs with that, the ease of actually getting onto the platform, you know, in terms of portal um, software as a service, you know, it's literally going on a website, swiping a credit card, um, ticking off boxes, you know, to, to get you started, you know, on services like that. Um, so those platforms are a lot stronger you know, in, in, with those type of aspects uh, of platform business. And uh, for us as a supplier in the IoT and IoT market, you know, um, the challenge is how do we find the sweet spot in terms of combining the strengths and weaknesses of the various um, software, if we can call it that, that's out there, um, and getting best solutions for our customers. So in that process we've uh, we have deployed ourselves you know um some SCADA and uh, and uh, historian products in the cloud you know and then use other software around it to augment um the the uh, offering you know. but we've also looked at um, purely using things like um uh azure's iot can uh, iot central right yeah. Um, which was the one we chose, but but there's a lot of them out there. We, it could have could have just as well have been AWS's IoT Core or Google Cloud Platform uh, or ThingWorks or IBM Watson IoT for that matter. You know, yeah. There's so many to choose from today, and that in part is also the problem uh, because I don't think so many. Uh, platform-based, generalized platform-based products will remain in the market. Um, this is a market that's still evolving. 
And as all evolving markets, some of these products will succeed, some of them will fail. Um, so we're taking sort of the IT view in that, which is uh, typically your big hyperscalers are the ones that's most likely to succeed. So we'd rather back those than the sort of new incomers into the market that design something from scratch. And therein lies a dilemma as well, because those things, um, let's say IBM, Watson, IoT, or something like ThingWorks, which was um, from the out of the starting blocks were built to be specifically an IoT platform. Um, and that was their sole focus. Um, logically would initially be better suited to that market, but they're not necessarily going to offer you the longevity that you could get out of uh, one of the hyperscalers. So there's so many, so many contrasts, contrasting uh, scenarios that's evolving out of this as this industry is moving forward. Um, and as players in the industry, and for the same, for that same matter, the consumers and our customers in that industry needs to deal with all of these things. And we need to make bets on what we think is going to happen in the future and who's going to succeed and who's going to fail. Mm. Yeah, 100%. So Louis, uh, a little bit, probably a little bit of a difficult question, but I think IoT can also be as big as you want to make it. It can be as small as you want to make it, depending on obviously on your business case. Um, when I think about IoT, I think about, you know, all of the different things that's now connected to the internet that can share that data, that can use that data for making decisions on this on their own. Um, I want to kind of get an idea of, from your experience, currently, where are we in South Africa with, with the business case? Or is the business case currently just to get that data into the cloud for visualization, to make it available to as many people as we, as we can? Are we seeing some of these augmented solutions on top of that to really start moving into this concept of autonomous machines and, and enabling the fourth industrial revolution? What, is, what, is, what do you see in the kind of the landscape we're currently sitting in South Africa? And to your point about the costs earlier, Louis, you know, the costs currently don't justify the value that you get from that, you know, defies the point of actually embarking on that project entirely. Yeah, so, so I think um, herein lies one of those differences again between industrial IoT and uh, general IoT. Um, if, we, if we look at the industrial space, I think there's a case to be made for um, a drive currently to get the data into the cloud and maybe not necessarily um, having fought through the full business case, apart from the convenience and the control. Yeah, let's get it connected. We've, we've got to get it in there. We have to get it. Why? Well, we have to. <laughs> yeah, so that's where this whole idea of the connected factory comes from. Yes. Right? Uh, I think at face value, it's obvious that there must be a lot of value in it. But I don't think um, a lot of companies have spent a lot of time to fully articulate that business case. If we now swing over and look at IoT generally, um, I don't think you'll ever make a sale. You know, if we look at retail, banking, and those environments, if you do not look at the individual use case and make sure that the exact use case has the business value that the customer actually wants and that it is clear and tangible. Right. Mm. Um, 
It doesn't always have to be money though, right? Let's just be clear on that. Money is not the only way of measuring value. You know, there is, there is also a big case to be made for risk management. Um, so a lot of solutions focus around the risk management. Yeah. And, um, and then there's also um, making known the previously unknown, right? Which, which allows um, the, the uh, businesses to actually unlock new value. Um, give you simple examples of things that's happened, you know, over uh, the last few years. You know, if you look in retail, um, traditionally retail had surveillance, you know, as one of the key things in stores. And why did they have it? Well, mainly to prevent people from stealing their goods and uh, perhaps having forensic evidence behind the fact if something went wrong. Um, today, that scenario has changed substantially and it's still changing. Um, they're actually using surveillance solutions and cloud, cloud surveillance solutions um, with edge analytics and platform analytics to extract real business value out of those solutions to do things such as uh, hot and cold aisle monitoring using, using uh, uh, infrared camera technology um, to actually see where the concentration of feed in, are in their stores, right? Mm -hmm. And to link that data to time of day, uh, seasonal trends, etc., which helps them to optimize the layout of stores, you know, um, by, for example, placing slow-moving slow goods in a hot aisle. You know, you will increase the sales of those goods that uh, traditionally was moving quite slowly. So that's just one very small example, but there's a lot of those in retail, you know, how they're starting to use um, the technology, even some technology, as I mentioned, surveillance technology, which used to, to be in those stores, using it differently to create the business value. So there's clearly a much stronger connection between the, the, um, the actual implementation that's done, the use case, and the money and cost you know, that's involved in cost to implement revenue that's generated out of uh, having those solutions. Whereas an industry, I think it's still more, more feature focused. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm talking industrial now. It's more focused on the feature, the, the feature actual... of being able to, yeah. yeah. So, so to be able to, for example, see um, operational information, which used to be only on the plant on a higher level of management where um, decisions can be made across facilities rather than just one facility by itself. Mm. Um, it, it, it is clear that there's value in it, but I don't think that business case has been taken to the hands and sense that sits behind it. Perfect. Thanks, Lou. Yeah, that's, that's the reality of it, Louis. Thank you very much. Amazing insights. Um, I think, you know, you've pretty much in summarized everything that we've been seeing and hearing. And, and I think the, the point about the features is a very, very relevant one. You know, us, we, we, we obviously, we work in that, in that field as well. Uh, we see it every day. We hear it every day. And, the, and the, simply just talking about the features um, doesn't sell the value that you detract or ultimately derive from, from these solutions. Um, and it's quick to talk about the features and the, and the capability that's been added to a platform or a device or a, but you're hundred percent correct. Lenny, that's something you always preach on the podcast mm -hmm. is about the actual business case and the use case 
um, you know, why are we actually doing this thing um, outside of the novelty of just doing it because it's popular and it can give us some future potential. And it's cool. Look, I take out my phone. I can see my trend on my phone. Yeah. yeah. Lenny's been doing some cool stuff. I haven't. That, that is cool. Eh? That's very cool. <laughs> cool. What does it do? I don't know, but it's cool. It's cool to see something on your phone. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. Lenny is busy um, using the uh, the Ignition Maker Edition. Lenny is busy connecting all sorts of things at his house into the uh, to the cloud and, and showing us what he can do at the office. And it's uh, it is fascinating stuff. Um, any any other? I've got one very important question for cool. Louis. Yeah, Louis. I think given everything you've told us. Um, the sort of lay of the land in terms of where we are and the progression towards these sort of hyper-connected systems and intelligent systems. What, what is your prediction for the short term in terms of industrial IoT? Working with some of these companies, some of these organizations, what they're doing, well, how do you see this panning out over the next few months? Um, if we look short term, and uh, short term, I'm probably going to extend it a bit beyond just the next few months because I think yeah. the next months are very dominated by our current situation in our country. Which presents uh, opportunities in itself, obviously, by the way. We've, we've already seen, sorry to interrupt you, we've already seen some really, really innovative solutions coming out for, for, for people tracking and, and uh, solutions like that. Yeah, and we, uh, we haven't even touched on that. Um, that's some stuff we're working on. We, we're actually working on some uh, wearables. We've got a COVID app, um, which has already been implemented now at several companies, large corporates uh, in South Africa. Um, you see on TV all the time, you know, the fever and mask scanning technology, which is available now on uh, the surveillance solution. So, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a whole slew of other possible opportunities, you know, that came out of the uh, COVID scenario in the country. But just to get back to your point, um, I think perhaps if we look at what's going to happen in uh, industrial IoT, we should perhaps just look a little bit beyond that horizon, um, not taking it out of the equation entirely, but we should look a little bit beyond that, um, but still stay in sort of the recent uh, or close future, you know, not to, to move too far ahead of ourselves Yeah. So if we're looking at the timeline of, say, six to 24 months, um, personally, I think we we and we actually saw that happening before COVID hit us. Um, the whole connected factory uh, scenario, I think, will for at least the next twelve to twenty-four months continue, yeah. um, and present more and more opportunities. Um, we have seen several of the large international conglomerates embarking on that route mm. with uh, various levels of success. Um, using, in some cases, quite substantially different architectures. Architectures that range from uh, trying to purely use the technology they're comfortable with, which is the typical OT environment technology, and um, sort of lifting that up to a cloud level to get a view across. Um, to companies that uh, went completely the other way and said, no, let's look at the, the, the custom IoT platforms and what they can do for us. Yeah. Um, and there's pros and cons for both scenarios. So I think a combination in the industrial space is probably the best solution. 
or the most likely solution to give you the high outcomes that you want. Um, but I think that is the one thing that uh, we're going to see a lot more of, you know, in the near future. And uh, then there's also the the drive towards more point solutions. But those are very difficult because you actually need to find, you need to do what we spoke about earlier. And when you get to that scenario of where you need to find the value, that's when everything becomes difficult. Mm. But we will see some individual point solutions pop up. Um, some of them will die a quick death and others will actually prove to deliver real value and will become uh, almost like a standard in the industry. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, say, I, th I think we've run out of time. We, we can chat about this stuff for days. Um, <laughs> Louis, it's always, always such a pleasure to chat to you. You're so knowledgeable on the topic. And I mean, this is, you know, you and your team, this is what you focus on every day. It's really, really good practical insights um, for our listeners. So thank you so much for your time. Um, Lenny, are you, any other questions from your side? No, I think I'm, I'm good. I, um, I like the, I like the concepts. As you said, I always try to preach business value. I'm not trying to put in technology for the sake of just being, putting in technology. Um, and I think, I think you're 100% right, um, Louis, to perceive, get the perception of business value versus cost of implementation, the cost of the data to get all of the stuff around through bandwidth, et cetera. Yes, there's been barriers that's been a little bit broken. If we look at the, you know, a little bit more from a traditional way of getting data across via either 3G or satellite connection versus the more catered um, bandwidth technologies, mm. like you mentioned, LoRa, Sigfox, they, they do um, drive that price point down for mm. the connectivity. But again, at the end of the day, what is the actual value that you're going to Going to receive from doing that and mm. it's uh, sometimes it was just not not feasible and i hope i hope really that in the future that the technology does catch up with us uh, even more mm. and then it will become more affordable and more more sustainable to actually yeah. do this in the future uh, but louis thanks again thanks for all your knowledge and your inputs always fascinating thanks a lot yeah thanks guys so just in closing you know when you're on that last point of yours the one thing uh, our conversation actually never, one direction it actually never took um, was um, to think about the features, right, of IoT that makes it different from traditional business and the things that customers expect today. It was actually the first question. We never got to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, because that, one, in that one, a lot of these things answers lie. So just in short, you know, um, there's concepts like, um, customize, customizability versus agility. You know, um, we spoke about solutions having to be or, or should have characteristics in terms of being fast to deploy yes. um, and able to integrate, you know, into existing environments and scalability. You know? So I think those are things um, for another discussion, but I think it, uh, I, I really enjoyed our discussion today and thank you very much uh, for actually having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure, Louis. Thank you for your time. I can hear, we, we have got over time, I can hear you've got some notifications and some things coming through on your side. So do we. It was an absolute, absolute pleasure chatting to you. And uh, yeah, the, Louis, you and the team at, at Business Connection, you know, you, you obviously, you, you at the coalface, you are having these discussions every day. Again, it was fascinating getting your insights and, and thanks very much for your time. Thank you. 
Well, then we've got um, the next few episodes, Lenny. I'm just looking at the next few episodes. We we did promise our listeners a few episodes ago that we would definitely talk to uh, look at the water and the wastewater industry. Uh, we have uh, potentially two um, really nice interviews lined up for that. Um, what we are chatting about today specifically, we're chatting with the folks of inductive automation um, about the ignition platform. And probably we would like to weave into that as maybe connecting these disparate industrial systems into AWS, for example, Correct. using something that they, that they call Ignition Edge, that, that a lot of IoT discussion happening at the moment and a lot of these sort of platform and fringe slash edge conversations happening. So those would be the folks at, uh, at Inductive Automation that we're going to chat to. Um, and then we've also lined up, hopefully we just need to get it confirmed, uh, we're chatting with some, some more industry legends, uh, people that have been around in our industry for many, many years since the first Windows-based uh, HMI SCADA was introduced that kind of long ago. Uh, we, we're lining up some few more people there. But again, a few, Lenny, it's always your line because I always forget. Um, yeah, please, guys, if you have any comments, uh, any topics, uh, personalities in the industry that you would like for us to interview and to have on the show, uh, please send us your, your request at podcast at element8.co.za. We really look forward to get your recommendations. And we will definitely take that to heart and include that into our future episodes. Awesome. Lenny, thank you very much. Louis, thanks again. Thank you. Good chatting to you. Thanks very much. That was uh, Louis from Business Connection. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, look after each other and stay safe. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>